0: Good morning and welcome to Friday morning, March the 5th in 2021 on When I Rise. We are currently in year B of the Revised Common Lectionary, the three-year process of the church studying the whole Bible together. And in this particular season, we're in the third Sunday in the season of Lent. So it is the season right before Easter. Lent is a season of lowliness, of repentance and reflection. And there's six weeks of that, but there are seven weeks of the feast season of Easter because you need to party one week longer than your confession, right? I mean, isn't that great? That's like really punk rock for the church to do that. Well, we've been looking at the revised common lectionary text for the week. And on Fridays, we'd like to take a look at the gospel text. And so we're going to be back in the gospel of John, John chapter 2, verses 13 through 22. So let me read that passage, provide a couple points for reflection, then we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks for making this part of your morning on Winter Rise. Let's allow our souls to rise and meet God together in a time of prayer. John chapter 2, verses 13 through 22. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts he found people selling cattle, sheep and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all of them from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold the doves he said, Get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. Now while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name, but Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. This is the word of God for us. nearly every hero's tale there's this trope that's used uh, where the superhero they know that they have powers and they use their powers in an inappropriate way which causes hurt and pain either to themselves or to others and they have to go away to an alternate universe in order to work out that pain and to find a way of humility in order for them to use their powers in a correct manner I mean you could use this With every superhero movie like you can go to Disney Plus and go to all the Marvel movies and how the movie starts is nearly the same way and the the narrative arc is the same they they have their powers they do something destructive with it they have to go away and figure it out and they come back and they save the day and they bring a gift back to their home communities Um, and so maybe we expect that's going to happen with Jesus early in the story, but as we plumb into the details of his outward expression of anger and zeal, uh, Jesus is actually in the right and he's not in the wrong. So it takes this typical trope and it turns it on its head. I think a couple things to consider from this passage is this idea of zeal that comes in verse 17. There were other zealous people in Israel's story who took matters into their own hands, out of their pledged allegiance towards God and in these great grand gestures of faithfulness, uh, they expose this zeal. Zeal, uh, in the original languages, kind of frames this idea of like an inward burning. And Think about the things that make you burn inside, like you hear a story of injustice or Um, Perhaps you see something that somebody has done to a loved one and all of a sudden your skin begins to flush, right? And something begins to build within you. And that is your body's physical reaction is something that's happening deep within the soul. It's pumping blood into the appropriate places in order to take matters into your own hands. And so here's Jesus. He's in a long lineage of people who have shown zeal. But the typical application of zeal before Jesus and after Jesus is to take human life, right? This is uh, Elijah at Mount Carmel in First Kings 18. Um, this is some other stories, uh, particularly in between the Testaments during the Maccabean re- rebellion, where uh, different heroes of the Jewish community took matters into their own hands and it took war to the different empires that came after them. But here Jesus is saying, the, the anger doesn't need to be pointed outside to an outward enemy, but it needs to be pointed inside within the community itself because they have turned God's temple into a market. Now, there's several reasons why the temple would be turned into a market. Um, this is a, a, a worship system where people would offer God a meal through animal sacrifice as a, a pledge of saying, I'm sorry, to try to make peace with God or to say thanks to God by having a meal with God. And so it just seemed natural to burn something at the altar in order for the fragrance to go up to the God of the heavens. There's also some evidence, and it's not widely pushed, but there, it's out there, that uh, since the temple's kind of towards the center of the thoroughfares of the city, that if somebody had a heavy cart that was being pulled, instead of going around the perimeter of the city of Jerusalem, they could go from they go straight through Jerusalem from one gate to the other, and then just go through the temple and. Perhaps at first this was frowned upon, but when some opportunists thought this would be a good way for the temple to gain some money, they said, "You can go through the outer courts of the temple here if you give us a bit of a a pull, like you know, like a, you know, you take you take like a toll uh, on a road or whatever, and that you could do that." So here they are, like this, it's it's being used as like a traffic stop instead of the place that was built to help the Israelite community form a pattern of worship to God. And so when Jesus saw this, exploded with anger and it results in a confrontation with his enemies and then a great mystery is beginning to be woven in the words of Jesus that you tear down the temple it'll be rebuilt in three days. Now in the eastern mind uh, they love mystery and they love metaphor and so this may have been lost upon the initial hearers but here's John he's writing the story and he says oh we should have seen this clearly that Jesus was talking about the temple being his body and so, what we see is that uh, after uh, a while after Jesus' sacrificial death and his resurrection, that the disciples recalled these words and they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. But here we have, like Jesus, something dawns upon Jesus. I would say that the the road in front of him is going to is going to be filled with challenges it's going to be uh so challenging and nuanced because there's like even the safest of places like the temple. Is not so safe, uh, so he has to think. Perhaps think, okay, where where do we launch this great movement? If not in the temple now, and so what we see is in the what was so we're so thankful for is in the very next passage. Jesus has a visit from one of these teachers of the law in the middle of the night, and Jesus begins to tell tell about being born again. I don't know about you, but. Uh, sometimes when we interact with uh, com- religious communities, uh, we might think the same way. There seems to be like a lot of, of waste here. seems like we're going on adventures of missing the point. Is there any hope for this? And hopefully that you and I, if we are a bit pessimistic about the future of the church, we can take a look at the end of John 2 and the beginning of John 3 and say yes, Jesus is still rebuilding the temple. Uh, Paul says that the temple is the body of Christ. So he's building the temple, but it may not look like we think it looks. But this is happening perhaps privately, perhaps very slowly in human hearts and in small uh, communities knit together who are giving themselves uh, to the searching lamp of the presence of God. And so may you and I be like Nicodemus, who even though he stole away in the middle of the night because he didn't want to be seen, he still sought, after Jesus, so may you and I seek after Jesus today. Let's we'll spend some time praying together. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we confess to you that we have often looked for the convenient things about our faith, and we've embraced those, and oftentimes we resist the the right things because they're challenging. And so, God, uh, like those who use the temple for convenient means, we stand to uh, the need for transformation and change. We thank you that we worship a God who's zealous, a God who burns within so that we would get it right. And we thank you that Jesus was given so that we can have peace with you and that we can get it right as we stand in him. And so, God, we thank you for amazing grace today. God, as we look out into our world, Uh, It's easy for us to be tempted to be pessimistic, uh, to wonder if there's a place where you're welcomed and where you can begin and continue the great work that you're doing around the world. Uh, But God, we thank you that the scripture allows us to have hope because you kept searching. And when you found those who would be open, you developed something deep within them that began to spread. And so God, we confess to you that we desire for that to be us, that we would be a portal in which you transform us so that you can transform the world around us. And so God, this day, I pray that as we uh, lower ourselves and humble ourselves before you, that you would raise us up, that you would cause us to see wonderful things because we put our trust in you and you alone. So God, we love you. We love to love you. And we ask you to become real to us in a fresh and new way today. We ask in Christ's name. Amen.